0: So, dear brothers and sisters, I'm sure we've all had uh, an occasion where we felt our back was to the wall, and we didn't have a whole lot of options, didn't have a whole lot of help, didn't have a whole um, didn't have a whole ream of solutions that we ha- we had all packed away just to try and you know unpack them and, and and apply them one by one. I'm sure we've all had a situation where you felt kind of helpless. Uh, this is kind of a season now in Holy Family where we get a lot of requests for different people doing driving tests. Uh, where they've, they've, you know, they've all they've left they've done their, their lessons and now they're all doing tests and so they're, I'm getting messages um, from different people saying yeah I've got the test tomorrow for the second time for the third time uh, and I really need to pass I really want to pass I really want to get driving you know? so there are situations where you feel like you've got no where the control is kind of taken out of your hands you know, where the situation isn't under your control and it's very interesting how those are the, almost the best situations to learn how to pray in those situations where, where, there, where you don't have control of everything, it really teaches you to pray. Why? Because you, it's not the best way, but you must rely on God. Because you can't fix it yourself. You can't fix it yourself. You must rely on God. In today's gospel, there is a blind man. To this day, by the way, there still is no cure for blindness. Right? So today, like back then, if you were blind, it was a life sentence. There was no hope. There's no way back. There's no cure. You're blind? Well, better get used to it. You know, because there was no way, there was, there was no healing. The, the, the best you could do was give him a stick. And so he could at least find out if there's a hole in front of him or a tree or a cow. Uh, but, you know, the, the, but there was no solution. There's no cure. So, so this man has, has no option, right? So he's got nothing to lose. So he's. There's a crowd going past. Jesus is passing by. So he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And the people in front scolded him. Right? They gave, instead of trying to help this poor fella, they got in the way. Wished up. If they were Irish, they would have said. Leave the man alone. Right? Just don't, don't be interrupting him. Don't he's got better things to do. He's got more important things to do. Also, of course, in the Jewish mentality, if you were blind, you were probably being punished for some sin. So effectively, this man has done something awful. He's 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 blind. So you know, don't interfere with the holy man. Leave him alone. So the, the, rather than bringing the, uh, their friend or, or this man, who they would have known, people didn't travel very far. So they would have all known that the, the local blind guy in the parish. Well, it wasn't a parish, but the local blind guy in the village. Uh, they would have known him. And instead of helping him, they get in the way of the solution. But he cries all the louder. Why? Because he's got nothing to lose. The man's blind. He has nothing to lose. He needs God's help. He knows he needs God's help because he has no solution. Actually, no other person has a solution either. So he needs God. So he calls out. It's amazing how quickly he recognizes or somehow maybe his, his blindness was very much only an earthly blindness and not, not, not a blindness of the soul. Why? Because he calls out, Jesus, son of David. That's the king. You're calling him, you're giving him a royal title. Jesus, son of David. I mean, there are many people who saw him, spoke to him, heard him. Witnessed so saw with their eyes what he did and did not recognize him as as anything special. Is this not the carpenter's son? But this blind man, who hasn't seen anything that Jesus has done, Jesus calls him Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And then Jesus shows him this great, this great dignity, not presuming to know what the man's greatest intention was. So rather than they bring the man over to him and then Jesus says, oh, well, you're obviously blind, so let's have a look, see what we can do about blindness. Uh, he asks, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? So what is this like? This is, this is an invitation. This is an invitation into a relationship. This is an invitation into a, a dialogue, into a conversation with God, into a relationship where I reveal my heart to him. He who has already revealed his heart to me. There's something very, very, very intimate about, about this, this question. What do you want me to do for you? How can I help? How can I help? Sir, he replied, let me see again. And Jesus says to him, receive your sight. There's a. A stark contrast between this kind of this kind of faith and this kind of love that we see here uh, to our, our first reading, where the the Jews, in order to fit in with uh, their their now uh, their Syrian king, King Antiochus, uh, they see that they said, "Come, let us reach an understanding with the pagans that surround us, for we are we have for since we separated ourselves from them." Many misfortunes have overtaken us. So maybe we'd be richer or more well-off if we just did what the Syrians do. You know, offer sacrifices as they do. Follow the practices that they do. Follow the, the, adopt their culture. Assume the path of least resistance. Let's be politically correct. Right? Let's do what everyone else is doing. And what was everyone else doing? Well, King Antiochus the Fourth ordered that let 's all be let 's all be one, so that everyone renounce their individual religious practices and we 'll all just practice the same worship the same God of my choosing says King antiochus and so what does he do he uh, in the forty fifth one hundred and forty fifth year the king erected an abomination of desolation above the altar. I looked up what that meant because i uh, it sounds awful, but I had no, no idea what it must have been pretty bad. Um, the king erected the abomination of desolation above the altar, and everyone goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so the abomination of desolation apparently was King Antiochus above the altar, sacrificed a pig to Zeus. Right, So pigs, not viewed very highly in Jewish uh, culture, and to Zeus, the Greek god. So that's the abomination of desolation. He sacrificed, a, offered a pig. So like, what's, what's happening? The chosen people are now walking away from God. The people who, 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 who God separated from all known tribes and people in the world and he chose to be his own, chose to reveal himself in a particular way. These are now the people choosing to say, well, it might be easier if we were pagan. It might be easier to do what everyone else does. Let's just abandon what God is asking of us because it's just a bit too difficult. It's, it's, it's easier to do what everyone else is doing. Let's not be different. And so they set aside the law of God in order to be like everyone else because it might bring them better look, more money, more job opportunities, whatever it may be. This is from the, book, uh, the first book of Maccabees. So if anyone knows anything about the Bible, Maccabees, this is going to be a whole Maccabean revolt. So there were some who held on to their love of the law of God and would not uh, adopt these uh, practices of of offering sacrifices to idols and so on. Uh, There's going to be a bit of a bloodbath because of it, but they they fight back, the the Maccabean Revolt, we'll be hearing about it over the next couple of days. Uh, They showed great resilience, despite the fact that many of their own lost sight of who God really is, that he's not there just to give rules, he wants his people to be happy here and he wants to bring them to heaven so sometimes it's it, it it's good it's also good in, in in marriage you know there's a there's that wonderful day in marriage where the couple approach the altar and they're all giddy and giggly and then there's you know the little the bride is so concerned and worried that her mascara won't run down her face and turn into a big panda thing as she's crying because of all the emotion and the big fake eyelashes are great at fanning down her husband, who's perspiring, uh, future almost husband sort of thing, groom, and it's all very wonderful and there's all lots of cheers and lots of, you know, dancing the night away and all that kind of thing, and it's lovely. And I heard a priest say once during a a wedding homily, today is the day I hope you love each other least. Today is the day I hope you love each other the least. That your love will grow for, from, for each other will grow from today on. From today on. That today is the day you love each other the, the least. You love each other more and more and more and the day after. The issue is, though, that doesn't happen by accident. That's the result of a decision. There are days when that will be hard. There are days when I have to decide to get up and say, look, today I want to love my wife better. Today I want to love my husband better. Today, for us... I want to love God better today. I want to renew my yes to Him. Today I want to renew my faith in Him and to kind of jo- join our chorus with 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 Joshua from from the Old Testament there, where they cross into the Promised Land and they, they they read the Book of the Law and then Joshua proclaims in front of the people, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I find for myself that today is one of those days where I have to renew that. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. As for me and my intentions and my problems and my needs and my responsibilities, I want to do God's will. I want to be like a Bartimaeus. I don't want to necessarily wait until my back is to the wall and have like no other choice. I want to choose to come to the Lord and say, Jesus, you are my king. You have the solutions, not me. You know the way out. I don't have to. I just have to follow. I have to let you be king, I have to let you lead. I don't necessarily want to have to get to a situation where I have to have this whole Maccabean revolt and cut my way through heathens uh, back to you Lord, but uh, I want to be faithful to you. I don't want to just take the path of least resistance, but do what you're calling me to do, and do it now, and do it now, and do it faithfully. And it's, it's so important that these are good moments, you know, every now and again, to renew our yes to the Lord, to renew our conviction and our confidence in him, to renew our, our desire to be saints, to renew our desire to be formed, to renew our desire to be led. That's, it's such a gift. It's such a, a precious moment when we can do that. And we can say, okay, Lord, you know, today let's, let's, let's renew this. Like, let's do this again. It, it, it happened for me in my baptism you know, where I, where I became a child of God. I, 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 I belonged to you. I've Hopefully, well, at least, if you will, kind of liturgically I belonged to you then. But in my heart, is that what I live? Is that the reality I live by that I belong to you? That you are my father and that I can trust you? Is that the reality I live by? Or is it like an you know, intellectual reality? theological reality back in the back of my head somewhere. Do I live by that? As for me and my house we will serve the Lord. As for me Lord I want to serve you. I want to call out to you and I want to remain faithful to you. Lord let me hear the words. Receive your sight, for your faith has saved you. And instantly, his sight returned, and he followed him, praising God.